Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. I'm glad to be back on. I'm excited for today's word. It's going to be a powerful word. Uh, uh, This is, you know, at large, the most important doctrine of scripture that needs to be pumped into the people of God on the earth today. And yet it is one of the doctrines that people are most ignorant of. And as such, they suffer for it. They suffer for it in their own lives. They suffer for it in their health. They suffer for it in their finances. But I don't want that to be your story. I want you to leave my prayer before coming on this broadcast was, Lord, I ask you that everybody's days of weeping would terminate today. Everybody's days of sorrow and crying tears of sorrow, days of sobbing unseasonally would end today. That from today, because when you have no knowledge, you know, the Bible says in Revelations chapter 5 that John was seeing a vision and uh, he saw that there was a scroll in the hand of God. And as he looked at that scroll, he saw they were seeking for one person who was worthy to open up the scroll and there was none found in heaven or on earth and John began to weep profusely. He began to weep and sorrow and cry until one was found worthy and then it was the Lion of Judah. Jesus came and took the scroll and opened its seals and the angel came to John and said, weep not, stop weeping, stop crying. Weeping is the devil's trophy. Joy is what glorifies God. John wept as as long as the scroll was hidden, as long as the scroll was in, in God's hand, you know, the word of God just by itself does nothing for nobody. The word of God needs to be in the heart of people with understanding for it to produce for you. John saw that scroll in God's hand and he wept. It, it couldn't help anybody. But when the line of Judah came and took the scroll and opened its seals, That connotes revelation. When you begin to have revelation, that's when your tears end. That's when your sorrow stops. That's when your weeping ends. That's when joy inexplicable and full of glory begins to come on you. And I really believe that's going to be your story today. I believe your days, you know, Psalm 126 says, when the Lord brought the captives back to Zion. They were like them that dream. And their mouths were filled with laughter and their eyes and their tongues with joyful singing. You might have wept for the night, but the Bible says joy comes in the morning. Today's going to be your day of joy. God has no plans for you to stay small. God has no plans for you to stay sick. God has no plans for you to stay poor. God has no plans for you to stay bound. God made everything available to you and to me to have total victory over darkness I want you to write that in the comment section today total victory over darkness in a sign of as a sign of faith say I have total victory over darkness I have total victory over darkness if you would before we move on share this broadcast help me to get the word out to as many people as possible I am pumped today I really believe today is going to be a humiliation of hell and an exaltation of heaven in your life I really believe today is going to mark a day where the devil's going to have to notch it down as an anniversary every year from now he's going to remember the the whooping the butt whooping he took on this day I really believe today's going to be the day where you break free from every lasting issue in your life the Bible says whom the son sets free is not free 
somewhat free and totally free indeed i believe there's some of you watching right now you have had and tasted of a measure of freedom you have and have tasted of a, a limited freedom but god's freedom is not limited it's only limited by our faith but when faith comes alive it becomes unlimited in scope and today you're gonna have that total freedom you know galatians 5 1 says that um if christ has set you free no longer be subject again to a yoke of bondage there's too many christians that are subject to a yoke of bondage they're under the devil's foot when the bible says we are the ones who have the devil under our feet and so as long as the devil can keep your 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 mind fogged to the truth of the word of god as long as the devil can keep you blinded to the fullness of redemption i if god has set a meal for me i don't want just the first the, 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 I don't want just an appetizer of that meal. If God has set for me a 10-course meal, I don't just want the first three courses. I want to indulge. I want everything God has for me. That's why Matthew 11 says this. Ever since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven has been suffering violence. People have been pushing into it. If there's no pushing, there's no prize. If there's no pressing, there's no prize. That's why I commend you, because you've joined this broadcast today. Because something in you, and I know a lot of you, you're not doing this out of habit. You're doing this like I saw someone quote, uh, right before, as I was reading the comments, before um, the video, the, the introduction video ended, and someone wrote, I, today I'm expecting something great from this broadcast. If you'll enter into this broadcast with that expectation, I'm not just coming and sitting to be informed. I'm receiving divine light. The entrance of His Word brings light and breaks me free from the hold of darkness. It, it was never God's will. For, for Peter to sink. God wanted him to walk on water. Jesus wanted him to walk on water and walk to the other side. If you have sunk in life, it's because there's an inadequate revelation from the word of God in your heart, but that's not to beat you down. That shouldn't get you to wallow and complain and say, man, I guess I'll never have it. No, that means that thank God he's not the one at the end of my troubles he's not the one at the uh, at the other end of my 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 tribulations and then the devil has no ability to harm me or pull me down it's up to me it's up to me to rise today it's up to me to stand up straight on my feet to strengthen the hands that hang lame and the feeble knees and to start walking and marching if you'll not give up the devil will let up if you'll not quit God will see it see it that you make it to the other side the only people that lose out in life are the people that say I had enough but if you'll start to say enough is enough the devil doesn't get to decide my destiny the devil doesn't get to determine my story the devil doesn't get to write my story he's written long he's written more than enough in my past life when I got born again when I was redeemed it's not me and the devil writing the story of my life now it's God and I writing the next few chapters until we're taken home unto glory and that's going to be your story when God begins to write a story Look at this book. It's full of people that came that were small. People that came that had no relevance in their generation. People that came that had, they didn't know what they were doing. They
they were lost and confused, distorted, broken, and disgusted. But when God stretched out that mighty hand of mercy into that ditch and horrible pit that in which they lied, He always brought them up. He always took them up. There's no days of ups and downs for the redeemed child of God. It's days of ups and ups. It's from glory to glory. It's from victory to victory. And that's, and that's going to be your story in the night, mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you believe that, shout hallelujah. Put amen in the, in the comment section. Dominion lifestyle. Dominion lifestyle. We are to have a lifestyle of dominion. What is dominion? What do I mean? By, well, first of all, why did I do this broadcast? Because one thing that pains me the most, the thing that irritates me the most, the thing that literally is, it makes me to gnash my teeth, is to see people that have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. People that carry God's DNA in them. People that are filled with the Holy Ghost. People that even speak in tongues. Yet they fall so short of the plan that God has for them. You were never created to run with your tail tucked in your legs, scared in frightfulness, in fearfulness of everything the devil you know, has planned up his sleeve for your life. The Bible doesn't say if we resist the devil, he, it doesn't matter in this life, but one day it'll be worth it. It says if you'll resist the devil, he'll flee from you. But far too many believers are not, they don't know how to resist the devil because they're not even taught to resist the devil. They're taught to accept anything that comes their way in life. And even if they're, they are taught to resist the devil, there's still so many believers who don't even know how to do that. Just, they just think resisting the devil is just like pleading the blood of Jesus a thousand times. We plead the blood, we plead the blood, we plead the blood. But that's not how you resist the devil. I'm going to show you from the scriptures how you can take dominion today so that your life is not that of victimhood, but that of, of, of victory. Um, and, and, and that's the thing that irritates me the most. That's what stimulated and steered me up to make this broadcast today. Because the Bible has a very clear trajectory for your life. Proverbs 4.18, the path of the just shines brighter and brighter to that perfect day. It's like the rising of the sun. It goes higher and higher until it's midday. God said that's how your life is to be. If you read in Joshua 1, let me read it. Joshua chapter 1, one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. Joshua 1.3. Verse 2, my, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore rise and go over to this Jordan, and you and all this people to the land that I'm giving them, and the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread on is land that I have given to you. Hallelujah. Every place. Well, you know, there's a real stronghold and principality of darkness in that region, so we try to stay clear from it. Other than doing evangelistic work, we, you know, we don't even drive. If ever we have to uh, drive through it, we try and find an, an alternative route to get through that place because it's just it's it's crippling the, the the darkness that's in that area. The Bible doesn't say everywhere on which the sole of your two feet tread on will be you know land that you have to. Uh, you, you, you should, you know, keep your head like on a swivel just in case there's something around. No, every place on which the, the feet that belong to you tread on, the sole of your foot hits where my two feet are. That place is a place of dominion for me and my house. Where my two feet are, that's a place where I am empowered to dominate in every area. You have people, you know, churches all around the world. Where, they're in a nation where... 
you know, they might not be as, as privileged or whatever as in the United States. But you have churches and pastors. Well, if, if I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you know, we'd have more money coming into this ministry. Or oh, if I was in, um, you know, if, if I would... And then you have the opposite here. You know, if we were in Africa, we'd see more miracles. There's always this excuse as to like, if I was somewhere else, I'd dominate there. There's always this excuse where like, if I was in a different circumstance, if I had a different nation, if I had a different last name, if I had a different this or that... I would be doing better in life. But the Bible makes it very clear that the responsibility is on our end. God already said, He's made a promise. I'm giving you power to dominate wherever your two feet stand, that is land that you're empowered to, to take over, to occupy until I come. But you have believers that love to blame everything on the devil. They love to blame everything. And I'm not saying the devil won't try to resist, uh, you're, you're, you're coming into a territory. I'm not saying the devil won't try to do anything. The devil's a very real adversary. The Bible says he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But that shows you that he can't just devour anybody he wants at will. People give the devil way too much credit. The Bible says that um, Jesus, when he died, you know, if, to understand dominion, you have to understand the beginnings of our dominion. Genesis 1.26 says that when God created man and woman, He created us not in the image of an angel. He didn't create us in the image of a dog or the image of a cat. He created us in the image of Himself. That's why you can look at animals, dolphins, sharks. Uh, you look at birds of the air. As long as they've been on this earth, they've never been able to develop this massive society like humans have. You don't go underseas and then all of a sudden there's like this lost world of Atlantis where dolphins are ruling the under... No, that doesn't happen because dolphins are very limited in, in their mind. They're limited in their bodies. They're limited in their ability to create and innovate. Whereas man that's created in God's image, who is the creator, we have the ability to create and build these civilizations that take over everywhere we go. Man dominates. Why? Because God said in Genesis 1.26, Let us make man in our own image. After our own image, He created them. And He said, Let us bless them that they might be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. To subdue means to dominate, means to take over, means to have charge over, means to take control of. God created man for dominion. Psalm 8 says it very clearly. Um, who, is, who is man that you're mindful of him and what is man that you take thought of him or that you visit him? Yet you've made us a little lower than the angels and have crowned us with great glory, honor, and strength. Thou hast given us dominion over the work of your hands and have placed all things under our feet. God has given us dominion over the work of his hands and has placed all things under our feet. When man sinned, that was our original uh, our original mandate and our original purpose at creation. When man deliberately sinned, when man decided to take of that fruit, that forbidden, of, that forbidden fruit, and violate the commandments of God, commit high treason against God Himself, the Bible says that man forfeited the keys of dominion on the earth and ceded them, gave them over to the devil. And from that moment onward, Satan became the God of this world. If you don't believe me, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. The Bible says it very clearly. The God of this age has blinded the minds of them that do not believe, lest they should 
see the glorious image of the gospel of Christ. The Bible refers to Satan as the God of this age. The Bible refers to him as the prince over the powers of darkness. The Bible refers to him as the prince of this world. The scripture says, uh, Jesus even said, the prince of this world cometh, but he has nothing in me. So, and then if you study Matthew chapter 3 and Luke chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4, you see that when Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness and the devil brought up the fact that all the kingdoms of this world have been delivered unto me and I give to whomever I wish, Jesus never contested that statement. Jesus never like pumped up and said, hey, hey, that's not even true. That's a lie. The kingdoms belong to God. Jesus never said that because if, if the devil was lying in saying that all the kingdoms of the world belong to me and I give to whomever I wish, if he was lying, then it wouldn't have tempted Jesus because Jesus would have, there would have been no temptation there. And there's a lot of preachers that say that, you know, the kingdoms actually belong to God. That's why Jesus, he didn't even, didn't even phase him. no. They belong to the devil. I mean, you can see it in, in governments. You can see it in political powers. You can see how the devil moves on politicians and rulers throughout the ages to, to, to implement darkness, communism, uh, societal lockdowns. You can see that the enemy is be, the active agent behind the scenes trying to shut the plan of God down. But let me give you the good news, my brother and sister. No matter how hard the devil tries to shut things down on this earth, no matter how how uh, high he makes the floods to rise, no matter what strength he uses, no matter what weapon he forms against the people of God on the earth, the Bible is very clear that everything the devil does is hardwired for failure. You can look at it in the days of Esther when he steered up Haman to come against the Jews and give them a, and literally have a holocaust before the holocaust to have a genocidal event at mass in a mass extinction of the Jewish people. But notice what happened as hard as Haman tried as much as he hated the Jewish people as much as he cooperated with hell one woman one woman that cooperated with heaven to fast and pray and see to it that the forces of darkness be pushed back disrupted derailed totally disengaged totally disconnected hell from doing anything on the earth totally ransacked the plan of the devil that's why i want to see i want you to leave this broadcast seen i mean seen who you really carry within you what you really are now that you've been born again there's too many people that like you know they always uh you have people like margaret sanker who founded planned parenthood who who literally used her life to cooperate with hell to bring the death of, you know, what is it, like 60 million, 55 million abortions so far? Something crazy like that since Planned Parenthood's been erected? You have a woman full of the devil that's able to do that damage. How much more? How much more should a, a man or a woman who's full of the Holy Ghost and power, how much more damage should we inflict on the kingdom of darkness? How much more territory should we be occupying? If Planned Parenthood can have offices all around the United States and abroad and take not only uh, spiritual territory, but actual acquiring land and doing all that on a financial level, that takes a lot of money. If someone anointed of hell can do that, how much more should someone anointed of the, of the Holy Ghost and power take over here in this? But what do you have? You have pastors that talk about, you know, literally, they just, they just preach defeat into their people. They preach to people that, you know, ultimately that our victory is going to be in the next life and up, uh, until then we have to endure. We have to just 
keep on holding on. But the scripture is very clear. When a man or a woman gets anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, he's not just holding on. Too, for too long, the body of Christ has been on the defense, has been on the defense side, has always been like trying to hold on, trying to just, uh, what do you say? They, we're just, we're, 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 we're um, how do you say it? Trucking through the storm. We're, we're trying to just keep on keeping on just to like sustain ourselves. But the Bible's clear. God's given us a command to dominate until he comes. And so what does this message of dominion do? Does what does it do? It changes your position from that of being on the defense constantly behind a rock trying to hide from the devil to now being on the attack. And you can see it in the early church. You can see it in the life of Jesus, which the Bible says, as I am, so are you in the world. Jesus said that. As he is, so are we in this world. Jesus was not hiding behind a rock, fearing demonic uh, presences. He wasn't hiding behind a rock because the people thought, you know, they were speaking of stoning him. Matter of fact, anytime they picked up stones to stone him, he walked through the midst of them and passed on. He wasn't hiding. He wasn't doing what he was trying to do in a, like some back room somewhere. Having some like secret takeover. Everything he did, he did openly. That's why when the people came to arrest him, he said, I've taught you openly in, this, in the temple. Why didn't you come then and arrest me? I've, all, I've never done anything in darkness. I've done it openly and in light. Why didn't you come and arrest me then? Because they couldn't arrest him then. E even when they picked up stones to stone him. Even when they thought of killing him. He passed through the midst of them and passed. They tried to drive him off a cliff. And he walked right through. It's like he went, there was like an invisibility cloak that came on him. That's, that shows you that when you receive, when you understand this message of dominion, you're not trying to run away from problems. Whatever you don't confront, you'll never conquer. Whatever you don't resist will have a right to remain. Whatever you don't stand against will stand against you. That's why we need people in this last, these last days to not adopt this weak victimhood mentality where it's like, let's just get rapture ready. Let's just hope Jesus comes back sooner than later. No, there's work to be done. There's souls to be saved. Heaven's too real. Hell is too hot. Eternity is too long to just be rapture ready and wait for Jesus. No, we have to be on the go. We, you look at the early church after they received power in Acts chapter 2. They went, the fear of God swept on the surrounding region concerning the church. Many signs and wonders were done. Uh, by the, they weren't being driven out of regions by the devil. They were driving devils out of regions. Acts chapter, six, uh, Acts chapter 19, Paul is in Ephesus for two full years. Then God begins to work extraordinary miracles through his hands so that even handkerchiefs and aprons are brought from his body to them that were possessed. And the demons came out and the sick were healed. And then the scripture says very clearly, following that verse, that in Ephesus, everyone that was witches, all of them that were astrologers, that were into horoscopes, that were into all kinds of demonic occultist things, they brought their books to the city center and burnt them in the sight of them all. Hallelujah. Paul wasn't being driven out by demons. Everywhere Paul went, he took authority over the region and he brought in, he ushered in a revival, a move of God. Do you know that the same Holy Spirit that was in Paul is in you 
today? Do you know that you don't have some twin Holy Spirit that's less than the Holy Spirit that was in Paul? You have the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. If death couldn't keep Jesus down, if the devil and his cohorts couldn't keep Jesus down, if all of Satan's work and energy and resources couldn't keep Jesus in that tomb and dead and down, what can keep you down today? What can keep revival from breaking forth in your family? What can keep a move of God from hitting your home today? What can keep your children bound by addiction and alcoholism? What can keep anything in your body that's not permitted to stay there? I tell you in the name of Jesus, as this message gets in your heart today, something called violent, raging faith, holy indignation is rising up in your spirit where you're not going to stay there tolerating the assault of hell on your life, but you're going to rise up in the power of God and say enough is enough if I be a man of God if I be a woman of God every work of hell every demonic hindrance every satanic harassment against my life against my destiny against my family against my health against my business it comes to not today I'm not the tail I'm the head I'm not beneath I'm above I'm not under I'm coming over to the other side in the name of Jesus if you believe that for yourself hallelujah shout amen put a, a praise hands emojis in the comment section the devil's gonna rue the day when he had you and ki- could have killed you but didn't because from today you're gonna be listed in hell as a weapon of mass destruction to stay clear of there is a touch not decree over your life the devil's going to learn that when he touches your home, when he touches your children, when he touches your body, when he touches your life, that he always gets burnt. And you know, as dumb of a devil as he might be, he starts to learn after a while, every time I touch that, I get burnt. Every time I go near, I get hurt. Every time I take a step towards, I end up getting 10 steps back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every place on which the sole of your feet shall tread on, I have given you Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That is the source of our dominion. First of all, what is dominion? Dominion is dominating. Dominion is having it your way every day. Dominion is not... um, is not letting life's happenings just happen. It's taking charge of life. It's assuming responsibility in your life that I've been given keys of authority and whatever I loose will be loosed and whatever I bind will be bound. So if I don't bind it, it won't be bound. And if I don't loose it, it won't be loose. So the responsibility is on our end. When you start to see that, it should bring you joy because you start to find out that God... God's not trying to mess things up in your life. There's some people who have this twisted view of God that he's like in a back room somewhere with the devil and they're plotting against you together. They have some like like Justice League round table and uh, they're in cahoots together trying to make things difficult for you and because ultimately at the end of life you'll, you'll have learned some valuable lessons. That's not how the Bible paints God as. God has given you, you know this is not even a book of promises. If anybody's ever told you that, and if I've ever said it, it's not right. This is not a book of promises. This is a book of instruction. And we're going to read that in Joshua 1. He says, let this book of instruction never depart from your mouth, but you should meditate day and night. For then shall your way be prosperous. Then will you have good success. So good success and prosperity. 
The ability to live in overwhelming victory against the devil and his forces is not, it's not in, the ball's not in God's court. The ball's in our court. We, Jesus said, all authority and all power in heaven and on earth have been given to me. And then Jesus, let me read this, Ephesians chapter 2. What is dominion? Ephesians chapter 2. So that's great. All authority and all power in heaven and on earth have been given to Jesus. But what does that do for us? Because then we'd have to just fall into the religious you know, statements people make. The dogmatic statements they make. That you know, if God wants you to have it, you'll have it. If God wants it done, it'll be done. If the Lord wants you healed, you'll get healed. Oh, if God wants to set you free, he'll set you free. If you think that God is sovereignly running things in heaven and not working with man to see, see to it that his will is enforced on the earth, you're going to live a very miserable, frustrated life. Psalm 115 and verse 16 says, The heavens, even the heavens, belong to the Lord. But the earth he has given to the children of men. God has given the earth to men. When Adam sinned, we lost the keys of authority. When Christ died and rose again, the Bible says, Revelations chapter 1, John saw him on the island of Patmos. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet like burnished bronze. His hair like wool, white as wool. His face like the sun shining in its brilliance. And out of his mouth proceeded a double-edged sword. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. And Jesus took his hand and put it on John's shoulder and said, rise up. Don't be afraid. Isn't that awesome? As great as the, as the Bible depicts Jesus to be with eyes of fire. I mean, nobody in their right mind would just stand there and, you know, raise their fists and say, I'm going to fight this one. No, the eyes with fire, feet like burnished bronze. It knocked him out. That's why people, when people say, well, I don't believe in people falling out under the power. All the, throughout the Bible, people fell out under the power when they came in contact with God. You can't come with, in contact with a living God and stay on your feet. You can't come in contact with the glory of God and just, you know, chewing gum with your hands casual. The Bible says the priests in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, they couldn't even stand to minister when the glory of God invaded the, in the temple. Priests could not stand to minister. They were drunk with new wine. Look at it in Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Ghost showed up, it changed the course of that meaning. Things that are not normal began to happen. That's why when you just have this this, uh, you have your own understanding of how a move of God is. You have your own expectation. You have your own, um, your own small thinking of what a move of God should look like. And then God starts to move. You're going to end up, you're going to end up being disqualified from partaking in that move because of your small thinking as to what you think God moves like. Don't get out of your box. God is God. His ways are higher than our ways. You look at it when they came to arrest Jesus. Who, uh, who is Jesus? Which one of you is Jesus? And Jesus came out and said, I am. And they fell to the ground. And they got up again. I am. <laughs> fell again. And he, Jesus realized, I can't keep saying I am. They're going to keep falling out. We're never going to get on with this. So he just said, I, you know, he just, he just uh, surrendered and put his hands out. Just, just arrest me. Put the cuffs on and we'll go. I'll go wherever you need me to go. Because if he had continued that, uh, saying those things, saying I am, he would've, they would have just kept on falling out, falling out, falling out, and they would have never touched him. 
But for the plan of God to be secured and the plan of God to, to, to come to fruition, he had to do that. So what do you see? Jesus lifts his, puts his hand on John, lifts him up, and he says, I am he who was dead, but behold, I live forevermore, and I hold the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He holds the keys. The devil doesn't hold the keys of death any longer. He doesn't get to decide when you die. The devil, I had, I had someone I knew who passed away. And before they passed away, I remember talking to them. They were sick with something and they kept bringing it up. Devil's trying to kill me. Devil's trying to kill me. Man, I, I, I just don't know how I'm going to break free from this. Devil's after my life. Trying to kill me. And he had like some weird infection and sickness in his body. It was like doctors were even like astonished by what was going on. And he kept saying, the devil's been after me for years. And this is like his final, his final, his final attack against me. And through his words, he actually gave the devil room to mess things up in his life. You know, the Bible says, the words of the wicked are, let us lie in, in wait for the upright. Let us lie in wait for blood for the upright, from the upright. But the mouth of the upright will deliver them. Do you know what the Bible says? That it's by, an, uh, by your words, you'll be justified and by your words, you'll be condemned. Your words are either going to release God's intervention in your situation or it'll bind him behind the scenes where he won't be able to do anything. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.27, we are not to give any foothold to the devil. None whatsoever. People, by the words they speak, give a stronghold. They allow the devil to set up strongholds in their life. A couple months go on and the, the guy ended up passing away. And I remember telling him in that room when he was telling me that. I said, there are many, there might be spiders in this house right now. Do you think I'm scared of the spiders or do you think the spiders are hiding out scared of me? The spiders are hiding out scared of me because I'm much bigger and I'm greater and just one, not even my full pressure of my body, just a little tap would crush them. That's how you got to see Satan. That you're, too many Christians live like they're the spider in the house and Satan's on the loose and he's coming to crush so just hide out. The opposite is true. The devil is the smaller one. We are the greater one. Because greater is he that lives in us than he that is in the world. And obviously that didn't click in his spirit because he ended up, he ended up passing away months later. Tragically. Early. Not old. And he, he let that attack loose and that attack continued because he never changed the way he, sp he spoke. But look at what the Bible says about us. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. And you... Everybody say, that's me. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. So that shows you, Paul's opening up the second chapter. Well, there were no chapter and verses, but he's opening up here in chapter 2 by stating you once identified as a sinner. You once were dead in your trespasses and your sins. You once walked according to the, the powers of the air. You were under the spirit of disobedience. You, were, you had succumbed to the powers and the governing of the prince of the power of the air. Referring to Satan. You were under his authoritarian regime. And there was nothing you can do about it. That's what we were before Christ. That's how we lived. We were bound without any hope. Without help. Cut off from the promises of God. Cut off from the help of God. Without help, without God in this world. That's how we were. We had all become abominable. We had all done wicked works. We had turned aside, each to our own way. 
The scripture says there was none who did good. Among whom we also once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of our mind. And were by nature children of wrath. Not children of God. We were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But verse 4 says this, But God, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us with, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made me alive with Christ Jesus. So that's step one. That's where a lot of believers stop. We're alive in Christ. We're going to heaven. We have our sins forgiven. Praise God. One day it's going to be worth it. That's where most Christians stop. How many of you know, we, you know, it's no longer, longer I who lives, but Christ now lives in us. And one day we'll be, we'll be made like him because we will see him as he is. That's where they stop. But the Bible doesn't stop there. By grace you've been saved. Verse six, he raised us up together. And made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where is Christ seated? If you read Ephesians 1, it says, verse 21, Far above principalities, far above all power, far above all dominions, and every name that is named in heaven and on earth and in the age to come. Jesus is seated there. And there's a lot of people who will never even contest you on that statement. They'll never challenge that statement. Of course, Jesus is he's at the right hand of the Father on high. But the Bible says in chapter 2 of Ephesians, we too, not just Christ in heavenly places, we are seated in heavenly places. Well, Brother TJ, that doesn't make sense because you're, you're in Tampa Bay, Florida right now. How could you be seated in heavenly places? If you would see in spiritual things, I, I might be in flesh and blood here. In me is the Holy Ghost. And my position spiritually is not of this world. I'm not of this world. I may be in this world, but I've been born from above and I've been seated above in heavenly places, far above principalities and powers and dominion and might and every name that is named. Not only in this age, but that which is, in the, that which is to come. The scripture says that God has translated us, transferred us out of the dominion of darkness. Too many Christians who, who talk about, you know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. But they live as if they're confined to the dominion, the kingdom of darkness. We've broken free from darkness. I'm no longer confined. I'm no longer subject to the bondage of darkness. I have been transferred. I have been translated, the Bible says in the King James, Colossians 1.13. Translated, quickened, lifted out of, and put somewhere else relocated into the kingdom of light in which I have redemption by his blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Hallelujah. So start to see yourself that way. That's why the early church never prayed about the devil. They knew that the devil couldn't, he didn't have influence in their life. He couldn't mess up what they were doing as long as they were doing what God told them to do. If you will find out what God wants you to do and do it, there's no devil that can stand in your way. There's no agent of hell that can stand in your way and hinder or halt or delay progress in your life. As long, that's why Jesus said, what my father does, so do I in like manner. And he enjoyed victory everywhere he went. You look at it when he's told the disciples in Mark chapter 4. Disciples, let's cross over to the other side. 
As they were in the boat, Jesus was asleep in the stern. As they were in the boat, a great storm, a Eurycliden, the Bible says, arose. And if you study the original Greek, it actually refers to a demonically inspired storm. So just because God told you that He wants to heal you, or God gave you a promise, or God told you to do something, or God told you to, to, to move, uh, move out and do something for His, for His purpose, or whatever... Just because God said something in His Word concerning your life, concerning what He wants to do for you, doesn't mean it's automatically going to drop and be deposited in your hands. There's something you have to do. Jesus said, let's go over to the other side. What happened? Opposition came. Challenges in life will come. Defeat is not an option for a child of God. Challenges are inevitable. But you never have to be defeated. And if you look at where Jesus was about to go, he was going to go cast out the devil out of legion, out of, out of the gathering demoniac, the legion out of the gathering demoniac in Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 1 through 10. That's where he was heading. So it's like that devil knew. He sensed what was coming. So he raised up a storm against Jesus to try and shipwreck that boat so that they never reached the other side. But I want to tell you something. When Jesus says you're going to the other side, you're going to the other side. When Jesus says you're going to make it, you're going to make it as long as you stick with Him. When Jesus says, I'm going to make you the head always, even if you look like the tail now, you're going to get it. You're going to get to the point where you're the head in that place. You know, everywhere that God has put you, there's a place for you on the top if you're interested in it. And if God said... If God said that I'm the Lord your shepherd, you shall not lack, and you're lacking right now, you better believe it, that if you'll continue to follow him as your shepherd, you're not going to lack. You're going to come out of lack into abundance in the mighty name of Jesus. So what happened? He's asleep in a storm. The disciples see the storm coming, and uh, they run to Jesus. Don't you care that we're perishing? Because the water began to fill the boat. And these were trained ship, uh, fishermen. So it's not like these were uneducated uh, fishermen. It's not like they didn't know how to man a boat. They knew how to man the boat. But this was a storm they had never seen. It was a supernatural storm that even Peter got worried. And he went to get Jesus. Don't you care that we're perishing? Look at what this storm's doing to us. Jesus got up, looked at them, and said, you faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? And he rose up, and what did he do? Let's just join hands, and we're just going to pray against this storm. Father, we just ask you that this storm... No! There are things that you pray for. And then there's things you take authority over. If the devil, you don't have to pray about the devil. You never have to pray about the devil. There's not one scripture. When Jesus was asked by the disciples, teach us to pray. He didn't say, well, let's just pray that every chain of the enemy would be broken. Let's... No, he never prayed about the devil and he didn't teach the disciples to pray about the devil. What did he do? He got up and he saw the storm and he rebuked the storm. Hush! Be still. And Peter, who had been on the sea his whole life, was astonished and said, we've never seen the waves this calm and the sea this serene in our entire lives. Who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? They had never seen that. How did that miracle happen? Was it through? No, it wasn't through prayer. Prayer has its place. But there's some things that you have to recognize. You have authority over because of the word of God in you. Because of the name of Jesus. I tell you today, as rowdy, as noisy, and as disturbing as the storm is in your life right now, 
It took Jesus five minutes to overturn that storm. And as noisy as the sea was, that's how calm it was after. In the name of Jesus Christ, as noisy as the storms are in your life right now, as noisy, as much as, as, as heated up the attack of hell against you right now is, in the name of Jesus, by the authority of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the, and the authority of the word of Jesus Christ, by the blood of Christ and by the spirit of him that lives in me, every storm in your life trying to wash you out shipwreck you, preventing you from obtaining what God's promised you. It subsides now in Jesus' mighty name. And you're going to make it to the other side, whether the devil likes it or not. So we're raised up with Christ and we're seated with Him in heavenly places, far above. When you give uh, like some lion toy to your three-year-old kid, and it kind of has like fierce eyes. That lion toy might, look, might get the kids scared. He might at first be frightened by the toy because, you know, it's this big roaring lion. Maybe the teeth are coming out. And so the kid, want, he might stay away from it for a little while. But then you let the child play and manhandle the toy. And then all of a sudden you see that same child a couple of minutes later because he saw that the thing wasn't a threat. You see the child grabbing the toy by the ear and dragging it across your living room floor. What changed? Because he had experience with it and saw that it's not as strong or as big or as great as what it really is. The devil likes to portray himself like a roaring lion. But if you would see him, he's just a mouse with a microphone. He's been defanged and declawed. Colossians 2 and verse 14 and 15 says, Christ has disarmed. Hallelujah. He has disarmed principalities and powers and made a public show of the kingdom of darkness openly. Made a public show, a humiliation of hell. And when you start, when you start to experience how weak the devil is, then there's a boldness that comes in you. Look at Paul. Paul, in Acts chapter 16, sees a, a woman that's possessed by a spirit of divination following him everywhere he went. Him and uh, Luke and a couple other companions. And they start crying out, these men are servants of the Most High. Paul got vexed in his spirit, irritated, annoyed, turned. And he said, I adjure you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, come out. And that was the end of that story. Why? Because Paul had already dealt with devils prior to that. Paul had already seen Bar-Jesus in Acts chapter 13 trying to turn away the pro-council, away from the words of faith as Paul was preaching to him. And Paul took authority over that devil. And he said, may, uh, may you be blind for a time, you son of the devil, enemy of all righteousness. And all of a sudden, scales came over him. When you start to see that the devil's not this big, you know, the devil oftentimes, he loves to, uh, he loves to show you his shadow. To make you see that he's actually this gigantic, enormous foe that's untamable and you can't, undefeatable and hard to deal with. But then if you'll take your eyes away from the shadow and shine the light of the word of God on him, you'll start to see. Isaiah 4, 14, the Bible says that at the end of life, we're actually going to pass by the devil and we're going to see him and we're going to say, is this the one? That made nations tremble. Is this the one that made cities to lay waste? Is this the one that made my family uh, 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 messed up? Is this the one that put addiction on my child? Is this the one that put sickness on my baby? Is this the one 
that laid cities to waste. I wish I had known. That's what they're going to say in Isaiah 14. But I don't want that to be your story. I want you to see him now. But they said, I wish I had known. Because if you had seen him now, if you would see him now for what he really is, and see how weak he is, then you'll begin to operate as if he was a non-issue. As if the devil, that's what dominion is. Dominion is operating as if the devil didn't even exist. That everywhere you go, you're just like a, a Holy Ghost bulldozer. Whatever stands in your way just gets knocked down. What is dominion? Dominion is living by another. I, I'm gonna, Thursday, I'm going to do another broadcast on what we have dominion over. But I know we're not going to have time today. Dominion is living by another set of rules. The world has a set of rules. The Bible says, I read it before, you were at that time under the prince of the power of the air. The Bible says that uh, those that are, are unredeemed, they're subject to the bondage of this world. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 3, thanks be unto God who has delivered us from this present wicked age. So in this world, there are laws that govern the unredeemed. Satanic laws. That's why people say, well, if there was really a God, then why is there poverty? If there was really a God, then why are there people that are sick? Why did my puppy die when he was only three? Whatever. Not understanding that the laws of death, the laws of sin, Romans 8 says, Christ has set us free from those. But those that aren't redeemed still live under the law of sin and death. But when you break free, when you get washed by the blood, when you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. The Bible says you are now set apart unto God. And you're a royal priesthood. A chosen generation. God's own special possession. Called forth out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's the commission Paul had. He said in Acts chapter 24 I believe it is. That Jesus actually told them that he should turn people away from darkness to light. Turn people away from the power of Satan unto the power of God. That's why people need to hear this gospel. That's why this gospel is good news. It's good news to the poor. You don't have to stay bound by poverty anymore. It's good news to the sick. You don't have to stay bound by sickness anymore. It's good news to the depressed. You don't have to stay depressed any longer. You don't have to have suicidal thoughts. You don't have to stay sad. You don't have to, uh, you don't have to stay wearied and burdened and heavy laden by life's pressures. You can actually drink of a fountain, a river of life. That the Bible says there's a river that makes glad the city of our God. Hallelujah. You live by another, another set of rules. That's why when Peter got off the boat, he started to walk on water. Gravity is the natural law. But Christ enabled him to have dominion even over natural laws. So stop accepting everything that comes your way. Well, how many of you know? Life throws you lemon. Best, things you can, best thing you can do is just make lemonade. No! You can actually take the lemon, squeeze it back into the devil's eyes, and make... Life doesn't give you what you deserve. Life gives you what you demand by the word of God. And that dominion is a function of your faith. So you can't have dominion over anything that God's word doesn't... That you haven't seen in the word of God that you're to have dominion over that thing. Dominion is a function of faith. And faith begins where the will of God is known. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Understanding God's word. 
So you'll dominate the things that you understand the Word of God has told you you have ability to dominate. But if you don't understand that, if you just think anything that comes your way is something you have to like endure, persevere, it's a trying of your faith, whatever, then you're gonna, <laughs> you'll, you'll never dominate in those areas. You'll never dominate in any area that you're ignorant of what God's Word says about that area. That's why ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is destructive. Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance will kill you ahead of your time. Norval Hayes, if any of you have ever heard of Norval Hayes, his mom died when she was very young. And when he got saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost and started to read God's will concerning healing, that it was never God's will for her to die. The Bible says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. Norval Hayes asked the Lord, Lord, why couldn't you heal her? Why didn't you heal her? And uh, the Lord spoke back and said, I couldn't do it. I couldn't heal her. And he said, what do you mean you couldn't heal her? You're God. You can do anything. She didn't believe that I wanted her well. So because my people are destroyed because of not a great devil, not because of great opposition, not because of great hindrances or obstacles. My people are destroyed because they lack knowledge. That's why the Bible says, great peace have they that love his law. You start to see, like Psalm 91 says, I don't have to be a hallelujah. I don't have to be afraid of the terror by night. I don't have to be afraid of the demonic powers that are at roaming this on this earth because you know those demons that jesus cast out of that gathering demoniac they didn't just get they don't, they're not in the heavenly somewhere they're still on the earth roaming they went through dry places seeking rest but they come and they want human embodiment they need to have human embodiment but the bible says you don't have to fear them you don't have to fear the pestilence that stalks in darkness they just announced yesterday that apparently there's an h10n3 um flu in China that just broke out. And there, well there's one person that has it. And they're examining him. He's like patient zero. So there's already another. Jesus said in the last days there's going to be pestilences. But the scripture says you don't have to fear that pestilence that stalks in darkness. Thousands and thousands might die around you. But as for you. You'll have a different story. Your case is different. Because your God is different. And you are different. You once were not the people of God. Now you are the people of God. You once were without hope, cut off, strangers, foreigners. But now you're a member of the house of God, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And anybody knows a citizen of a nation is entitled to the benefits of that nation. If you live in Canada, you get the benefit of the Canadian healthcare system, Canadian education, whatever. You can't come from Cambodia and just assume that you're going to take advantage of all those services. You're not. They're going to deport you unless you become a Canadian citizen. If you're a citizen of this earth, you'll have to live subject to the terrifying, horrible laws that Satan uses to govern this earth. Sickness, death, marital distress, anxiety, panic, everything. Famine, drought, starvation. But when you, you know, like, my wife, I'm trying to get her Canadian citizenship now. And uh, she has American and Brazilian citizenship. She can only have, you can only have two citizenships, two passports. So she's, she hasn't renewed her Brazilian citizenship, but she knows that once she gets Canadian citizenship, she can never reapply for Brazilian citizenship. 
until she forfeits her Canadian citizenship. When you, it, when you receive citizenship in heaven, you forfeited your citizenship from this earth. So quit identifying. Quit identifying. Quit establishing an expectation in your heart that what the world goes through, you'll have to go through. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. If the devil can deceive you into thinking that way, then he has you. He has you. You'll never be delivered from anything you're not disgusted with. So if you just start to kind of lose the fight in your spirit, that's why the Bible says you're to fight the good fight of faith. In order to establish a dominion lifestyle, there, you have to fight the good fight of faith. The Bible doesn't call it a bad fight and doesn't even call it just a fight. It's a good fight. Why? Because if God before you, you're on the winning side. So I pray today from this broadcast. I'm not going to go too long because I have a lot to do. And we're on a plane tomorrow. But I encourage you today. Do like Paul did. When he made that fire in Acts chapter 28. And the Bible says a viper came out of the fire and fastened on his hand. That was an attack to kill. And you know how I know that was a venomous snake? Because the, the elders of that island, the natives, they were standing back and seeing this guy, though he's escaped the sea, judgment does not, justice, God does not permit him to live. They knew that that was a venomous snake. And so they were expecting him to die. The Bible says in Acts chapter 28, they expected him. They waited a long while expecting him to just drop dead at any moment. But when they saw that he didn't die, because what did he do? The attack came. Attacks come in life. But whether you fall victim and fail. You know what I mean? People, they have one attack and then they, they stay stagnant at that place. They are never able to recover from what the enemy's done. Instead, Paul took his hand and shook the snake back into the fire. That's what, why did Paul have that confidence that he wasn't going to die? And that he could just shake the snake off in the fire. Because Paul had already heard of Mark chapter 16 and verse 17 that says, And um, you, shall, you shall handle deadly serpents and they will not kill you. They won't harm you. So the word of God in his heart empowered him to have a dominion stance, a dominion position over that snake. To shake it back in the fire and have confidence that he wasn't going to die. But that he was still going to make it to Rome. Hallelujah. The devil came and tried to get Jesus to bow to him. The devil came. He's going to sow thoughts. You're never going to make it. You're going to get sick. Sick. Look at your mom. She died prematurely of that. And her mother died prematurely of that. Breast cancer runs through the family. You should go and get checked every single year because it's probably going to come. The devil's going to launch every attack your way because he hates you because you were created in God's image. And the one thing the devil always wanted to be was God. And he couldn't and he got his rear end cast out of heaven. The Bible says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. But then what did God do with you? He made you in his image. And even though you, Satan sinned and there was no plan for salvation for Satan. When you sinned, 
God loved you. There was a love in your heart that God doesn't have for the angels and he doesn't have for anything else. There's a love in God's heart concerning you that even when you had fallen short of the glory of God, even when you had turned aside, God laid the iniquity of us all on his son. And he, yes, he fell short, God said, but I'm going to make a plan that my spirit won't just dwell around them. They'll not just be clothed in glory. I'm going to dwell in them. And I will be their God, and they will be my people. And I will conform them into my very own image. No wonder Satan's out to, no wonder he hates you. No wonder he's going to try everything he can do to try and wipe you out. But you want to know the good news? The devil can try his best, but his best is not enough for the child of God. Because you are an overcomer. Whatever is born of God has overcome this world. I'm going to read this and then I'm going to pray. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 18. In case you didn't know, this is in the Bible. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself. And the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The devil can do everything he wants to anybody else. But I've got blood on my door. Hallelujah. I've got blood on my door. There's a touch not decree. He surrounds me as a wall of fire. God has said he's made me the apple of his own eye. And the Bible says, because I'm born of God, the wicked one can't touch me. Why? I'm engrafted into Christ Jesus. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. Romans eleven seventeen says, By faith we were grafted in, and we are now partakers of God's life. The life that flows through me is not natural life. It's supernatural life that empowers me to do supernatural things and allows me to have supernatural protection, allows me to go and do things that could not naturally be done. Why? Because the scripture says, The works you see me do, Jesus says, I, you will do. And greater work shall you do because I'm going to the Father. I am destined to reign. Romans 5, Adam sinned, verse 17. Adam sinned, caused death to spread to all men, for all men had sinned. But now, much more, shall through the one man's obedience, Jesus Christ, shall we now reign in life by him who died for us. We're destined to reign. We are destined. You should carry a sense of royalty as you walk. You shouldn't carry your head down and just, I don't know how I'm going to make it today. I don't know how I'm going to pay rent. I don't know what I'm going to do. You're a king's son. You're a king's daughter. You're a princess in the army of God. You're a prince in the, army, in, in the family of God. You ever see Prince Charles or Prince, uh, what's his name? Prince Harry and William? Do you ever see them walking around struggling? No, they carry themselves like royalty. Well, look, their royalty is going to end. We belong to a kingdom that has no end. We belong to not a king. We have, we have, we serve the one who is called the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And if they can walk with their head held high, if they can walk happy because they believe their needs are going to be met because of the treasury of their kingdom, we have a treasury that is unending. He said, all the silver and all the gold belongs to me. When you have, start to have that understanding, you realize you realize how cheap the devil is. If the devil can get you to believe that he 
has a legal right to do what he's doing in your life. You lost the battle. You might as well just throw in the throw in the towel and quit. But when you start to see from the word of God that the greater one lives in you and you start to understand that the Bible says the wicked one cannot touch you and you start to see what the Bible says that thou, you know, Psalm 91, everybody loves the protection part of it. But there's another part to Psalm 91. It says, thou shalt trample on the serpent and the cobra, thou shalt trample them underfoot. Jesus said that I am giving you power over unclean spirits and over all the power of the devil and nothing shall by any means harm you. When you start to see that, you don't put up with the devil. There's too many Christians that are putting up with the devil. And they have this pray for me, pray for me syndrome. I need prayer, I think I need deliverance of this. The Bible says, deliver thyself like a gazelle. You know how you can deliver yourself today? By seeing this word as what it really is. The word of God for you. This is not written to the preacher and the apostle and the evangelist and the pastor and the teacher and the prophet. This is written to you. I didn't get healed because someone laid hands on me. And I'm not against the laying on of hands. I got healed when I saw, by his stripes, I'm healed. And I realized it's a, an infringement of my privileges and rights as a child of God. My inheritance is healing. Anything that's stopping healing from hitting my body, is, um, it's, it's violating the divine order of things. And as such, I rose up. I got here. It cannot be. By his stripes, I'm healed. And that was it. Something clicked. John 1. Verses 1 through 4, the Bible says very clearly. Let me read it to you. And then I'll, I'll pray for you. John 1, verses 1 through 4. 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word. So your dominion in life is totally dependent upon your understanding of God's Word. The dominion you have in life is going to totally depend on how strong you have the Word of God in your heart. That's why John in 1 John chapter 1 says, I'm writing to you, young men, because the Word strongly abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. I'm writing to you, young men, because God's Word abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Your ability to overcome the wicked one is dependent and determined by the Word of God abiding in you. Not in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made in Him. The Word was life, and that life was the light of men. We live in a world that the Bible describes as darkness. The Bible says darkness, uh, in Isaiah 60, shall over... Um, darkness shall be upon the world, deep darkness upon all the peoples. The Bible says that we are the lights of God that shine in the midst of a dark and perverse generation. So we've concluded that this world, the Bible describes as darkness. Because of the prince of the power of darkness, Satan's rule on this earth. So what's the answer to darkness? If you get in a car and your headlights are broken and you're going down a windy road covered by forest and it's pitch black. 
You're, you're in very dangerous, you're in a dangerous area. You're, you're suicidal almost. Because it's going to be very hard to navigate those roads without, first of all, you might hit a moose or, a, you know, some sort of wildlife that's bigger than your car. So what, does, what do you need? What's essential to navigate those roads? If the Bible says we're in the darkness of this world, there's a darkness in this world, what's essential to establish our victory, our dominion? And the light shines in darkness. And the darkness can't do anything about it. The answer to darkness in your life is light. The dominion of light over darkness is instant and it's unquestionable and it's uncontestable. The devil still to this day in 2021 does not have an answer to the power of light. And light is what? Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's why David, uh, David said in Psalm 119, Thy word I've kept in my heart. You hide it in your heart. But hiding it in your heart is not enough. You have to speak it out of your mouth. Mountain, you've dwelt here long enough. Impossible situation, Today's your last day that you remain impossible. In the name of Jesus, and you start to quote scriptures, you're going to see how quickly the doors will start to swing wide open. You're believing God for a door to open up, and you feel like the devil's been closing doors on you? He doesn't get to decide that. Jesus said, I have the keys of David. I open and no man can shut. I shut and no man can open. Start, start to declare that in the name of Jesus, by the word of God. Jesus, who holds the key of David, is opening up doors in my life that no man can ever even try to shut. Great and effective doors. 2 Corinthians chapter, 1 Corinthians 16, 9. Great and effective doors of opportunity are opening unto me. Bible says in Isaiah chapter 45, God has opened up to me the double doors and the gate shall not be shut. Those are three scriptures. When you release that light, remember what I said before, the words of the wicked, or the, the, the way of the wicked is to lie in wait for the blood of the righteous, but the mouth of the upright. So the devil's going to plot things against you. But whether you come out of it victoriously or you get slam dunked is up to you. The words of the righteous shall deliver them. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ for anyone watching right now that's been bound up by some issue, an affliction that's been... They're year after year. They've never broken free from it. They've never been able to, to enjoy total freedom in Christ. Anybody watching right now that there's still an oppression. There's still a bondage. There's still a, 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 a feeling that you're in prison doors. I tell you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ from today, those prison doors swing open right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Walk out and be free. And it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. The Bible says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Everything causing fear. Everything that is a cause for concern in your life. Anything the devil has threatened you of. In the name of Jesus Christ. Those attacks get dismantled now. I arrest every demonic agent around your life. I arrest it. I cast down every imagination of your heart. Every thought that has risen up against the knowledge of Christ, it gets cast down and brought to nothing. In Jesus' mighty name, 
You shall rise up as more than a conqueror in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Your best days are yet ahead of you. You are not going down. When men say there's a, a casting down, you shall rise up in victory. You will not be defeated and you will not be washed out. God will see to it that you make it to the other side. Everything that God's word has covenant with, covenanted with you to have. There's no devil in hell that will hinder you from possessing, possessing the land in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. He brought you out of the house of bondage and the same God that brought you out is bringing you in to overwhelming victory in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus Christ. If you're watching right now, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you're not sure if you're making heaven or not. There's a question mark pertaining to your eternal well-being. You know, eternity is real. Hell is hot. But God said, I've made heaven for you. The devil, uh, hell was not made for you. It was made for the devil and his angels. God said, I've gone to prepare a place for you in heaven. And if it were not so, I wouldn't tell you. But I'm going to make a place for you. There's a mansion in heaven with your name on it, if you're interested in it. The Bible says there is a book called the book of life that will be open when all is said and done. And only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will be allowed into the eternal, eternal kingdom of God in which there's joy, righteousness, and there will never be a devil. He'll be bound forever, cast into an a, 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 a endless pit. There won't even be a devil. Now there is a devil that we have authority and power that though he challenges us, we'll, we'll have victory everywhere we go. Thanks be unto God who leads us to triumph in all things by Christ Jesus. But there's a place called heaven. That's going to be better than earth. There's some people who write books and talk about your best life now. It, this is not our best life now. We can have the first installment. The Bible says that God will give us the first fruit of our eternal salvation. That's why we can have dominion. We can have healing. We can have prosperity in us on this life. But this is not our best life. There's another life. And it's not really another life. The Bible actually says if you believe on Christ, you'll never die. Though your body will stop working, your spirit will be alive. The Bible says on that day, the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And everyone's names that are written in the Lamb's book of life, they'll make heaven. But those that rejected Christ and wanted nothing to do with Him on this earth, life is defined by the amount of time that God's mercy allows you to repent and turn so that you can be saved. That's what life is. The briefest, most succinct and clear definition of life is the amount of time God gives you as an individual to repent and turn to Christ and be saved by His mercy and grace. If that's you today and you've never made your, you've never gotten right with God. You're still living in rebellion. You've not repented of sin. The Bible says there's a lake of fire for those that refuse to repent, who hated the light but had pleasure in darkness. But I don't believe that's you because you wouldn't have stayed on this long. I believe you're one of those who's saying, Lord, I want everything you have for my life. I know that your way is the better way. And I've gone my way. It's only led to death. But I know that if I'll hook up my wagon to your chariot, to your vehicle, that you'll always, you'll always bring me upward. You'll always bring me forward. And that's true. And God will do that for you. You need to repent and turn. Doesn't matter what sins you've done. God will forgive you of all sin. He'll cleanse you. And your sins will be blotted out and your lawless deeds will be remembered will be remembered no more 
So if you've done that, or maybe you've backslidden, and you need to recommit your life to Christ today, do that with me right now. Say this, Father, in Jesus' name, I believe that you raised Christ from the dead. I confess Jesus is Lord of my life. I'm turning away from a sinner's hell, and I'm turning to you. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Forgive me of my sin. Let your blood give me a bland, brand new slate. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to live in dominion over sin. Fill me with joy. Fill me with your peace. Lift up every heavy burden on my life. And every yoke of captivity be destroyed. I give my life to you. I surrender. Do through me and in me what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love for you to go on my website, salvationnow.ca. The first link that pops up, if you've never given your life to Christ or you're recommitting your life to Jesus Christ today, you weren't saved, but now you are. I want you to go on my website. I just got saved. First link that pops up, fill it out. And I want to, I want to, there's a video at the bottom of the page and I want to help you out. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji or visit us online www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you and until next time.